Dude, you do suck at these games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> Welcome to the React Native Nerds Podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm John. Join us as we dive into topics you need to know about to become a better developer. Hey, nerds, welcome to episode number 30, the big 3-0. Happy birthday to us. <laughs> Joining me in this birthday celebration, as always, a man that needs no introduction, Spencer Carley. How are you, man? I'm excellent. That was a fantastic intro, really. Uh, right? Happy birthday step. to us. Yeah. I was going to sing, I was gonna sing, but two weeks in a row, me singing probably isn't all that great. <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. How are you this week? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, doing the brewery thing. And I found like the best site ever. I've used Fiverr in the past to do logos for mm-hmm. um, my tech ventures and products and all that sort of stuff. And it worked pretty well. But I really wanted to go professional this time. And I'm down in Georgia. So I was looking at design houses in Florida and near Atlanta. And they had some really good stuff. More on the expensive side than you'd spend at Fiverr. You know, <laughs> probably two grand to five grand if you want more branding or up if you want like a lot which is way out of my budget 2500 i could probably swallow which is still a lot of dough but Mm -hmm. you know for a really professional look and brand you know i was i was ready to do that then i found this site called logo my way and it's logomyway.com basically what you do is you open a contest for logo design and you go through, you put up money, however much money you want to spend, between $200 and $1,000 max. And you fill out their questionnaire all about your business, what you want the logo to convey, this and that, yada, yada. And it goes out to, they say, 20,000 designers worldwide. It goes worldwide. Apparently, anybody that's a designer can sign up for this site and get notifications whenever there's contests. And they come, they read your description, and then they put together a logo and they post it. It's a 10-day contest. It's been open for four days so far, and I have close to 90 entries, I think. I have 92 entries. I just refreshed. You know, some of them are eh, and some of them are freaking phenomenal. Yeah, I'm looking for these now. Two days into this, so two days ago, I was like, if this ended right now, that would be the one. Or those two are the top contenders. And I think I have three or four top contenders. It's phenomenal. I mean, some of these things are absolutely just mind-blowing. Just the different creative creative elements and things, the creativity in these. You know, some are using a barrel, you know, as the front of the train with, you know, instead of the steam jets, they have beer taps coming off. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Some of them are really cool. And some of them are just like so kick ass that you would see like on a T-shirt or something like that, but not really a sign. Um, Some of them you could see as a coaster, but not really your brand. So it's really hard because I want one that will do it all. I want it on growlers and cans. I want it on a sign over the building, you know, all that sort of stuff. So this is, I mean, I will never go back to Fiverr, you know, that, I mean, I think it's a $200 minimum. So if you have at least $200, um, you know, you can start a contest and get people in. And then I read their little quick guide thing. And they said, if you, as the contest owner go in and rate them, um, and you can mark them that you like specific elements or whatever. You can message the individual designers if you wanted to let them know the different elements you like. 
or mm. whatever, then, um, you know, other designers will come in later. They said, I'm not hopefully making, I'm, I hope this is true, that like the super professional ones wait a couple days before the contest ends, you know, and they'll, they're looking at them now and they're getting idea of the sorts of things that I like. And then okay. they sort of craft around those, those comments and whatnot. So it's really, really cool, man. I am loving it. Although judging this, you know, a lot of time went into every single one of these. I think even, you know, the super simple ones, I'm somewhat impressed with because I can't design my way out of it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, okay, if I don't like this, um, do I just ignore it or do I click a one star and make him feel really bad? You know, maybe he spent... <laughs> you know, a really long time on this and, and it kind of sucks compared to this other stuff. So yeah, I don't know. So if there's any designers out there, this, um, uh, no, I guess this will be closed by the yeah, time this, this episode comes out. Yeah, this will be closed by the time out. this episode's out. Yeah, but you might be able to use the link in the show notes to look at all the designs after the contest is there. But anyway, you know, if you need a logo, man, this site is amazing. Yeah. It is yeah, really, really, really cool. I'm really impressed with what they've got in here. It's really cool. I know. And like yeah. they, they got that... Um, you know, that modern beer branding down, even kind of a classic beer branding uh, yes. set up. I think it's whatever your taste is like there's there's definitely one for you in here. There is. Absolutely. And I mean, I gave, you know, you can read my description, but I was like, I said, it's railroad themed with a twist of steampunk. You know, it's professional brewery with a little rustic, you know, and I gave a little bit of guidance on colors, but also gave them free reign. I was like, you know, I don't want to lock you into the circle brand, which is really a trope of the industry. You know, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people just do circles because they mm. fit on the round coasters really nicely. Um, so I'm sort of attracted to that just because that's industry standard, I guess you could say. Right. Um, but then again, you know, I'm looking at thinking of the fronts of the two buildings that I have in mind and, they're, um, you know, a little longer on the ends and a little taller in the middle, you know, the way the roof line or the facade is on the building or whatever. So there's a couple of them I was just, I just fell in love with. Okay. So yeah, it's fun. Good it's stuff. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'll be excited. I'm, I'm, uh, the, I'm invested in this. So it's just really cool to see like the progression <laughs> of just kind of like, Hey, I kind of want to like sell some brewery or some homebrew in my B and B to, you know, building out this entire brand, this entire business. So it's, I know it's cool sort of see. exploded. And yeah. I was talking to my parents last night and my dad is like, what happened to just making beer for the bed? And, breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's infectious. Like every time I talk to somebody in this town, they're like, yes, our town needs this. Uh, your mic is, and that was, again. Oh, <laughs> and I'll be back. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Yeah. All right, I'm back. All right. Crispy clear. Cool. And then in other brewery news, my domain name is too damn long. Oh, but wait. Just be careful wait. when you buy domain names. I just see. Uh, so I'm looking on Domainer. And there's dot beer, it, too. Yeah, there's dot beer. I had no idea that was a top yeah. level domain now. So um, I, was gonna, I was thinking unionstation.beer <laughs> for my right. email. Yeah. yeah, not Union maybe Station. not. Pub is available too. Dot pub, yeah. I wish I had like brew pub. Right, I'd be all over that. Or dot hmm. brew. I, at this point, oh yeah, that'd be cool. everything's right. 
becoming a top level domain. But that's it for me. There's no rat news this week. <laughs> that's good. Hey, that's <laughs> progress God. for sure. Thank God. I know, right? Seven days without a rat. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, what's up in Xbox world, buddy? Miss, Mr. Um, first person shooter games make me sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're the worst. Uh, well, my wonderful girlfriend managed to order one on walmart um like Yay. 45 minutes after they were supposed to be sold out she refreshed it and went through the whole checkout process and managed to buy one and i was amazed because i've tried so much to get one of these and she tried once and did it so it'll be here like uh january 8th or something um Oof. after our christmas break which is kind of a bummer but we'll get through mm. that maybe you can work work all through christmas break and then take part of january off yeah i've got a goal to like force myself to take two weeks of vacation time in 2021 so maybe i'll just uh front load <laughs> take it that. all in january yeah <laughs> <laughs> where's spencer he's he's getting sick because he's playing call yeah. of duty <laughs> just laying on the ground oh, i can't man i remember call of duty like back when i was in high school and college and like i could not i don't i didn't understand how people could play that it's like Five minutes of me watching it, I'd be down for a couple hours. Oh, wow. I hope you're better. I mean, I would hate for this, you know, your girlfriend to be on the Xbox all the time. Yeah. Play it. <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to find some games that um, work for me. I know, like, back in the day, I used to love playing RuneScape. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm trying to find games along that line. Just not first-person stuff. Okay. Though I have to say... As ashamed as I am to admit it, I've been playing Minecraft this week, and it's been really fun. Uh, just kind of building random stuff while I'm supposed to be working. But... <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> and can I, I you have build to a say, mobile app with uh, Minecraft? I know you can build lots of stuff with it. So people have built, like, actual computers in Minecraft, which just blows I've my seen, mind. I've seen some things like that, yeah. Yeah, it, it's insane. I, I just keep getting killed. I, I'm the other side of not doing well playing video games is i'm very very bad at playing them um what do you do fall down the hole that you just mined how do you die in minecraft i fall down holes i i drown myself i've been attacked by wolves sheep a witch all kinds of stuff i don't even know what you these things are wait you got attacked by a sheep i think so yeah dude you do suck at these games <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very true <laughs> it's just like I just imagine like some seven-year-old kid watching me play Minecraft and just being infuriated by how incompetent I am. But you should totally Twitch Twitch stream <laughs> yeah. um, you're playing right after you get your Xbox. Hook it up. I will watch it. I don't care where I am. <laughs> I want to watch you play. I'll build up an audience by just being really bad at playing video games, and then I'll swap over to doing React Native content on Twitch. How about that? There you go. That's all right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. As long as you have the camera on you so I can see you get all white and green <laughs> and, and seasick as you're playing. Uh, yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, maybe you get over it. Maybe you've gotten I, over it. Yeah, I think like with playing Minecraft in like 20 minute intervals, um, I'm kind of getting more used to it. Um, I've also like so changed some when... settings too. With with the Call of Duty, was it when you were actually playing it or when you were just watching somebody play it? Either one. Oh, okay. Because I know if I'm in a car and somebody is driving, I will get car sick. But I can drive for days without being car sick. Hmm. You know, it's just it's like a control thing, I guess. I don't know. Okay. 
Yeah, of course, I'm just I, a bad... then again, I'm not reading while I'm driving either. So maybe if I was reading a book while I was driving and I wasn't dying in the process, I might get car sick. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? This is how my brain works. <laughs> yeah. Brains are a weird, weird thing. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> I have to say, though, with, with the video games and playing, actually playing them a little bit during the workday, I'm pretty much done with work for the year. Done so much to the point where I was going through my computer storage today and just like clearing out a bunch of space, like deleting uh, simulators and Xcode that I don't need anymore, all kinds of mm. that stuff. So I'm just doing super mundane work because I have no more like real work scheduled until the start of the year. So maybe oh, that's got to feel good. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. Um, I don't quite know how to process it. I go start buying Xboxes and playing Minecraft, I guess. Yeah, so what is our uh, topic for the day? Oh, yeah, right. Um, this is a show. We're not just hanging out, are we? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about state management in 2021. Um, actually, but we're in 2020. So we're going to talk about a lot of different ways that you can add state management to your apps. Um, if you are doing this, chances are we're going to talk about what you're using. And if you're not doing this, then you'll walk away with this with a really good idea on which one of these that you want to try to tackle, depending on what you want to do. Because when I was doing research for this, you know, I just figured, oh, it's state. Like, how how different can these things actually be? And uh, they really are. They're really, really different. So we have, I don't know, five or six of them, one of which I had never, ever heard of before. And I did some reading about, and it's actually pretty cool. So, you know, I might be a new fan of that one. But, yeah. Cool. We're going to, yeah, just jump right in because we got a whole lot whole lot to talk about. Yeah. So I guess first off, um, we should cover, like, what is state? So there's going to be, like, state is the actual data that, like, drives your UI that someone's actually seeing or you're interacting with through your components. And... Basically, like that state can be broken down into uh, kind of two ways of thinking about it. You've got your local component state, which is state that is pertinent to just that singular component. So maybe you have multiple buttons on your screen. One of them is disabled. One is not disabled. That's kind of local state that really doesn't matter in any scope beyond the present screen you're looking at. The other side is there's going to be global state, and this is something like is a user signed in or are they not signed in? That may impact multiple places within your, within your app. So it's kind of a, a more global piece of data. And basically like these different solutions we'll be talking about, uh, different ones handle different ones better than the others or they're trying to solve different problems. Anything you want to add to that? Um, yes. It all depends okay. on what you're doing. Because I, all I ever used was local state and that caused so much headache for me um my app worked great because i i hacked it together enough i guess you could say but you know looking at all these i'm like oh yeah i really should have used that one and then i read more about another one i was like oh no that's the one that i really should have used <laughs> and you know you really have to look at all the little nuances between these because on the surface level, basically, they are just controlling data. They're updating a data store. 
or, you know, well, we'll just call it a data store. And however you have your components set up, they will react to that, to the change in data. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're fetching API, call API data from somewhere, um, you'll probably want to grab that and shove it into state. So then you can display it on your screen and whatnot. So, um, the, the moral of the lesson for me was on the surface, they're all very similar, but as you get deeper and deeper, there's some, some really important nuances to take care of, to pay attention to, depending on what you're trying to do. You're going to basically like, let's look at what is already built in. And what's already built in is component state. Uh, you could access this via this.state if you're using classes or the use state or use reducer hook if you're using functional components. And basically what this is doing is defining a value, you know, is loading within a component. And you can use that value within your component to determine things. Now with this, it's great if it's within one component, like if you're loading something or if the button is uh, enabled or disabled. It's perfect here within a single screen because you define it right there, you mutate it, or change the value, I should say, right there within the component. Everything's just related to each other. Now, say you need to pass that data down. Say you've got a screen that determines if a button is enabled or disabled. Well, if you need to pass that down to a button component, then you need to pass that via prop down to it. Well, let's say that button component does some stuff. It has some child components in it, and they need to know if that button's enabled or disabled. You need to pass that down via props there. This is where you get into something called prop drilling or passing a value down through basically intermediate components that are just not doing anything with the value, but just forwarding it along. And that's a little bit of a downside of component state. And I only say it's a little bit of a downside because that can be beneficial because it's extremely explicit. And that's something I really like in my code is it's very, very clear what data is being passed, why it's being passed and where it's being used. So I kind of like that, but if your component, if your if your app is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you've got a piece of state that needs to be accessed from different screens. Then you've got to factor in a navigator into all of this. It starts to get really complex to use component state, which is a point at which you may want to start looking at alternative uh, solutions for managing your state. So basically, it's props all the way down. Like Spencer said, it's very strict. So this is. This is Uncle John's lesson in, in what not to do <laughs> with, with, <laughs> with component state. I was using in my app CouchDB. Uh, no, sorry, I was using PouchDB with a P. And essentially what I would do is load some query from PouchDB into state for any screen that I was dealing with. And I would have to quite literally pass down these huge, enormous state objects through props to get them down into the actual display components. It was horrible. It absolutely <laughs> worked, but I felt like it was just terrible. And, you know, maybe it was correct, you know, technically correct, but it just felt so kludgy and just patched together, hacked together. You know, I mean, I'm sure my inefficiency in coding, um, you know, React Native at the time didn't help. But, you know, looking back, I would go back and clean up code and I just didn't want to touch it. You know, I didn't even want to, I didn't want to use Redux 
or some of the other things that we're going to talk about. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> j- yeah. So just be careful what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point. And like the way you just described that is a perfect point at which where you're like, okay, I'm fighting this too much. Or like my component is, or my, my app is being held hostage by the way I'm passing state around. That's a point. It's like, okay, something's got to change. And you start looking at other options for managing state. And continuing on the, the built-in solutions that React, React Native provide, we've got what's called context. And context basically allows us to define state in kind of what's called a provider, which is just kind of like a bucket where we can get state. And then we can take anywhere in a child, anywhere within that tree. It doesn't have to be at the top. It doesn't have to be at the bottom. It doesn't have to be in the middle. Anywhere within this tree, we can say, okay, we've got this context value, this bucket of data above somewhere, some somewhere within the parent of our component we're working on that we need the data. We can say, okay, I want to use that context value within my component and then I can just subscribe to that essentially via React hook called use context. And I can grab that value and use it within my component without doing that prop drilling that we were using. This is awesome because it's built in. Which would have been amazing. In. Yeah, exactly. Like this was <laughs> back when I ran into this issue, exactly the way you described it. I mean, this was back in 2015. And like people were talking about Redux. I didn't really understand it. Um, I, I think Redux was out at that point. I didn't understand the value of it. And I was like, screw it. I'm just going to use whatever the docs tell me to do. And like, we got into this just giant cluster of data and the app was just like, it was just a house of cars just waiting to blow up. But basically we ended up moving on to Redux, whatever. But basically uh, context is going to be that easiest solution, this fastest way if you've just got some basic data to store or store and pass around. Context is awesome. Um, it's what I primarily, it's really what I only use in Spectrum. Works well. It's built in. The problem is it's kind of just like component state. It's easy to uh, mess things up a little bit. I found myself putting too much data into a single context store, which is then causing things to re-render more than they need to. Just like in Node and JavaScript in general, it's very uh, flexible. You can do whatever you want with it. It's awesome when you know what you're doing or you just need to do something simple. Not so awesome when you start doing things in a way that you don't really understand and painting yourself into a corner. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's quick and easy to use, but it's also a little bit easy to mess up. Context probably would have helped me a little bit, but I still feel like you ever watch Tom and Jerry and they're running and Jerry runs into a pipe you know, into this tiny little pipe and, and Tom just ducks his head and Jerry's a little mouse. Tom's a big cat. And, you know, Tom makes it into the pipe and then the pipe stretches and he's running and there's this big bulge in the pipe. That's kind of what I felt like I was doing in my app. (laughs) I was just, just shoving this huge blob of data down through component props. It never came out the other end. (laughs) Context is a really good option. Like I'll be honest if you just want the uh, the basics, like get you 90% of the way, component state and context are going to work really well for you. I just did a big rebuild on Spectrum. It is just component state and it is just context. Uh, because reality is in, in that app, not much data is changing. You download the client data once. There's no changing it on the client side. 
So I don't really care about re-renders because I know that the data is static. Fun fact, 28 episodes ago, episode number two, we did a talk on context, an entire episode on context. We did. Yep. Yeah, so if you so want to learn, learn more, more about, about that, there you go. <laughs> That's the place. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's say you're getting into a world where you've got much more dynamic content. You kind of need a little bit more structure. Um, if you've been in React, React Native land for any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard of Redux, Redux Toolkit. And basically what this is, if, if I understand it correctly, Redux is built on top of context. It just gives you a bunch of rules on top of it. So basically context, when you look at that, the vocabulary is going to be, you've got your, your context, which provides a provider and a consumer. Those are your three things. And provider provides the data, consumer consumes the data, context is kind of that bucket. Redux, you add some more words into your vocabulary. You've got your store, which is your bucket of data. You've got your reducer, which is defining how that data is actually going to change. You've got your actions, which are actually saying, let's change my data in that reducer. And then you're dispatching those actions from your components to then go through that workflow. Update the store, which then goes and updates your UI. And it's just kind of this big loop that goes on. Yes, and um, it's fairly strict. It's, uh, I don't want to say less flexible, but it does keep you in a strict flow. And so it's more easy to onboard a new developer um, because it works the same every time. If you sit down mm -hmm. and you're looking at Redux, you know the store, you can see the reducers, you can see the actions and how everything is dispatched and how it's updated in the UI. And so you can you can follow that trail pretty easily. Whereas with um, context, you know, it is kind of an umbrella over your app. And it might be somewhat straightforward. It all depends on how you structure it. As we right. talk about a couple other ones, those are the Wild West and a free-for-all. So Redux, <laughs> I feel like, is more strict. It's more involved to get set up as well, right? I mean, you need, Absolutely. To, you need to build the store. You need to build these reducers. So there's a lot of front-end work. And so, which means, which would kill me, I'd have to sit down and really think through the app and everything that I wanted <laughs> to do instead of just sitting down and writing code, which is actually what I do. <laughs> and then I go back and fix shit that I screw up and, you know, have another scotch and think, man, I should have thought that through before <laughs> I wrote that code. Yeah. So um, Redux just takes a lot of front end planning. And I imagine once you've done it a couple times, it just gets easier. You know, obviously most things do, but um, there is boilerplate that you have to write. Um, you might be able to alter that a little bit from app to app, but pretty much you might end up with a lot of custom type things. I would imagine your reducers are going to change from app to app, mostly because your data is going to change from app to app, right? Unless you have similar apps with similar data. Right. Yeah, they're going to change. Um, but I just find like I've worked on a couple, at least a dozen apps of React Native apps. And if you've ever read any of my marketing material in React Native School, I say I'm here to help you with the 80% that is the same between different apps. And all of these apps I work on, 
that I've actually built that at least a dozen, and then I've worked on or I've consulted with a bunch of other React Native apps. As much as you may hate to admit it, or as horrible as it may feel, 80% of our apps are exactly the same. We've got very similar navigation flows. We've got very similar authentication uh, workflows and stacks. So much of our apps are the same, at least the ones I'm working on, that a lot of what you do in one app using Redux is going to be similar to what you do in another app using Redux. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And Redux Redux is one of those, if you are not using anything other than component state or anything but context right now, and you're looking to get a job uh, building React native apps you know, at a, at a company or something like that, Redux would be a good one to learn because it's fairly popular. It used mm -hmm. to be the shit. Like everybody would be Redux, Redux, <laughs> Redux. And um, I don't know if that's true anymore, but it is immensely popular. And if you go in with that in your tool belt, even if they don't use Redux, they use one of the other things that we're going to talk about, you're going to have a good handle on how everything sort of wires up together. So yeah. that, that's a good one. Um, it's a good one mainly because for me, I was looking and it's just so complex that you know it might be the most difficult one that we're going to talk about you know to set up and to manage or whatever but like i said because it's a strict flow you're going to walk into if you know it and know how it works you'll walk into the job and they'll have redux set up in an app and you'll be like oh yeah cool no problem let's edit this and change this and make it do this now yeah so yeah it's a, and it's a good to, tool to have to piggyback off of that um the lessons so like i've worked with redux outside of context and component state, the most of anything we're going to talk about here. And the lessons I've learned using Redux greatly helped me structuring context in a way I know that will work. Uh, immutable data, kind of structuring things in uh, ways that will work well with React. It's been really helpful to learn that. The other side of it is because Redux is strict in how it defines things, the vocabulary it uses, People have built incredible tools on top of Redux to do even more complex things. Like uh, there's uh, Redux Thunk is a great example. It's basically taken what Redux does and Redux Thunk allows you to create async actions, which basically dispatch a bunch of other actions. So say you want to request data from an API. You can set a loading state. You can set a caching state. You can then set a stored state all these different things within an, a single action that you call from your component. So your component, it just says, get data. But behind the scenes, it's doing all this other stuff, which you can then respond to in your actual app uh, on the UI side. And that's super, super powerful. And it's super awesome to get that stuff for free. There's also like offline capability stuff because it's got all of these rules that are kind of a, they feel like a bit of a pain to set up at the beginning, but you get a lot of benefit from it. I'm a little biased. So you mentioned when you were talking about that, it being immutable. And that's an important thing to realize because any changes have to go through the dispatcher and the actions with Redux. So you can't have your debugger open and be playing around with state, right? Right. Yeah, so that's, that's an important term, something that um, took me a while to learn when I started using Redux. So there's mutable data and immutable data. And basically... Redux being immutable means that 
whenever you're changing a value in your reducer, you're returning a new value. For example, if you have an object that says object.greeting is equal to hello, you can't then say object.greeting is equal to hi. You need to say, or basically return a new object with the greeting value on it that then has hi. And basically the reason you want to do this is because you're tapping into React's re-rendering system, it's comparing values, and as you subscribe to these different values, you need to actually return a new value from that Redux store so that React then knows to go ahead and re-render it. And immutability just makes things super, super predictable, and uh, it's, it's something that's super useful to kind of really understand. And I know, like, as, I, as I've been saying this, I've realized it's just kind of like me fanboying fanboying over Redux. But even if you don't end up using it, I find Redux to be super valuable to learn the why behind kind of the rules and the boilerplate that you have to create. Even though with Redux Toolkit, the boilerplate's significantly reduced, learning that why behind it is really valuable and understanding React and how React works and how to structure your data in a way that's going to be very testable and just kind of work the way you expect it to each and every time versus having kind of weird edge cases. Next up, we have MobX. So Redux creates a reducer, which has an action that updates your store via dispatching that action. MobX has an action which updates an observable, and that observable, observable, words are hard, that, <laughs> <laughs> that observable, causes a reaction anywhere that it's being used. So this is, in my mind, a really big difference. And maybe you can, you know, maybe it's the same thing at the end of the day. But in my mind, this actually makes more sense because you set up MobX to handle this data and you say, hey, it's almost like an event hook or um, a listener, you know, in the good old days. <laughs> where you you'd set up a JavaScript listener on a web page or something, and then you know you click it and something else happens. So in my I think maybe it's the just a word observable that that makes it work better in my mind because something is observing this change. Right. You know you know it isn't monitoring it; it's observing it. It's not being dispatched from an action. It's like observed. So something changes, and you're like the component is like, oh shit, I got to change. And it changes. So in my head, that's why this works better. Um, but, you know, MobX and MobX state tree, um, they're a little easier to set up. And this one is the Wild West. And I, I say that, like, just because you can set it up a bunch of different ways. And um, it's, it's mutable. It's not immutable. So you can actually be in your debugger and change state and have your app in the simulator change right away, which is really super valuable in my mind mm. because if I get something wrong or I need to just do a change on the fly, you know, when I'm doing web stuff, I'm always in Chrome tools, you know, right. developer tools or Firebug way back in the day with Firefox. <laughs> and, you know, I'm in there tweaking stuff. CSS, I mean, anybody that's ever done web, I don't know if they... Anybody that has ever done that without developer tools or Firebug, uh, you're amazing. Because <laughs> I will seriously be in there and tweaking values just to figure it out, and then I'll change the code, and then I'll refresh. And you know, 
that's super valuable. It's not strict. There's not a whole lot of boilerplate. But the flip side of that, which, you know, the flip side to a point I made about Redux, it, is it might be a little harder to onboard another developer because mm-hmm. it's so customizable. Have you ever used MobX? I know it's in um, one of the templates for Ignite. You know, it's built in and Infinite Red uses MobX all the time. I remember right. them saying. Have you ever used that? No, I so I've always heard good things about MobX, but I've never really um, found a need for it because once it was out, I was kind of like dug my heels into Redux. But yeah, right. it's it's really interesting. Um, it's a different way to think about it. Like you said, it's very customizable, much less boilerplate you have to set up. So yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's a different way to solve a very similar problem with different a, a different methodology. Like everything we've talked about here, like it's everyone has similar problems, but everyone has different views and beliefs on how it should be done. So MobX has these observables where you're observing values and how they change and displaying those. And then in Redux, you're kind of looking at this bigger store, subscribing to specific values and displaying those values and then working through this entire very explicit workflow of what is happening. So it's it's different different ways to skin a cat. Yep, yep. And, you know, I, I'm a very visual kind of person. There is a line in the movie Swordfish, and he's like, I don't know, I just see the code in my head. And, and I'm not saying that I see code in my head, but I can totally <laughs> visualize an app that has components that are observing, you know, the store for changes and then reacting based on that. So maybe that's why this makes more sense. Instead of um, components sitting there waiting for an action to hit them in the back of the head like a football to change. <laughs> you know, and I don't know if that's actually how stuff is working or not, but that's how it works, you know, in my brain. So that's, you know, if I would have to sit down and write an app, like I had played with Ignite and I'm like, oh yeah, MobX is in here. I don't know. I'm not touching this. Now I would totally touch it because it really makes a whole lot of sense in my brain now. So Okay. Yeah, so this was a good episode. I had a lot of fun watching videos and looking over code samples and stuff for this one. So I'm working on a, a trivia app that I want to use as like a core example of in React Native School. And I think one thing could just be like exploring all these different ways to manage state because I've always heard good things about MobX and like the way you describe thinking about the data is very interesting. And I want to see what it's like in practice because I've, I've read some of the documentation, a little bit of the getting started. But yeah, like what's it like actually in practice? So MobX mm-hmm. is, uh, it seems very interesting. And then on top of MobX, there's also MobX state tree. And I will be 100% honest here. I did not do ample research in this. I just know there's MobX and MobX state tree. They're two separate entities, but they have to be similar in some way uh, because they they share the first word in both their names. <laughs> <laughs> so I know they were created. That sounds like something I would say. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the whiskey's hitting me, so I don't know where my sentences are going now. But uh, yeah, so that that's something to be aware of. Like the way the, what we've been discussing, that is MobX. Here, let, let me tell you what MobX it, state tree is, okay? Yeah, so MobX state tree is is a separate thing. What we were just describing is MobX, if you want to look at that in the way that we were just describing it. Um, so I just Googled this for total transparency, and this makes it about as clear as mud. It's a state <laughs> container that combines the simplicity and ease of multiple data with the traceability of immutable data and the reactiveness and performance of observable data. 
from the living tree, immutable, structurally shared snapshots are automatically generated. Well, duh. What? Is all I got to <laughs> say about that. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so I'll admit I didn't I didn't actually see that that you had slash mobx state tree in the show notes, um, or I, I would have looked that up as well. <laughs> so um, bad on me for missing that in the notes. <laughs> bad on me for bringing it up. From the notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll just cut that part out of the podcast. We never yeah. mentioned mobx state tree. <laughs> uh. But so. in in my uh, my research and stuff, I came across Recoil. Interesting about Recoil, nobody's using it because nobody says they need to use something like this in their apps. So Recoil was built by a team at Facebook, not the React Native core team, but another team at Facebook because they had to deal with the situation of needing to have subscribe components all over the app update. So I don't know, um, I didn't dive super deep into why like Redux wouldn't work because you're essentially subscribing, you know, or MobX with, you know, your observables and things. But it sounded like those had some maybe performance issues because the videos I watched about Recoil basically is saying that this is super, super performant. The developers, not the Facebook ones, but developers like you guys were saying that don't try to learn this until <laughs> you have performance problems and then okay. go ahead and try to learn it. I guess it's really, really good, but unless you have a Facebook size app with that many users and whatnot, or you need something crazy, crazy performant, you know, it isn't worth it. That said, I did watch a video where somebody implemented it and it didn't look that hard. Okay. You know, it might be on the level of, you know, learning how to build Redux, you know, that sort of thing. So um, it did it did look kind of neat, but um, it sounded like way overkill for anything that we would need to do. Okay. Now, yeah. I, I, I remember briefly looking at Recoil at some point, and they've got, like, atoms of data, right? And are yes, atoms basically just, like, yep. so those are just, like, little, I guess, atoms of data. So, like, would the signed in state like is signed in true or false be considered an atom and then you can subscribe to that singular piece of data yes yep. okay and when an atom changes you know other things that are subscribed to watch that uh change as well and i'm sure they use protons and neutrons and i don't know if they actually <laughs> do or not but yes they do call it an atom and it is a tiny piece of data that's that's then subscribed to yep interesting okay yeah so i can see how like there's from my experience in this like i can see how that could be beneficial but i could also see how like having those micro atoms or just a small piece of data definitely perform it but then could also just cause just like so much overhead in actually building and managing an application so yeah uh, it's it's an interesting other option i think there's another library you know me bringing up things that i didn't research or remember the name of but this concept of atoms of data is another way where we've we've looked at MobX, which has its observables. We've got Redux, which has its stores. Atoms is another way to look at these global pieces of state uh, and thinking about that. So, yeah, again, it's just interesting this, to see the different ways people come up with these different concepts and ideas. What we've been talking about, uh, Recoil, MobX, 
and Redux. Those are going to work great for local states, something like is a user signed in or are they not signed in? It's local to the app, but it's global in that it could be used in multiple places in the app. Another way to think about data is just, you know, we've got this local state, which is just local to the application, but then there's data that is being managed by the server uh, that could be used in multiple places. For example, you've got a list of movies and you want to be able to access this movie data in all kinds of different places within your application, but it's the actual server that's managing, you know, how many people have rated this movie five stars, that type of information. And when you're looking at data that you're just basically displaying from an external source, one package I've used, it's called Apollo and Apollo taps into GraphQL and basically not only is it a, giving you a means to transport data via GraphQL from the server into the app, kind of handling that data transport, but using Apollo, you can actually store that data locally and then use that to be displayed in different spots within your app. You can tap into caching and all kinds of different stuff. So if you've got data that is very similar to what I'm doing with uh, Spectrum, where it's just everything is done on the server, and I'm just displaying it, I'm just reacting to it, Apollo is a good option for that if you're interested in using GraphQL. Another one, and this is very new to me, but I've heard it mentioned in quite a few emails in the last few weeks, is React Query. And as of recording, they just came out with a version three, I believe. And uh, React Query, and I'll just read kind of like the tagline of it, React Query is often described as the missing data fetching library for React but in more technical terms, makes fetching, caching, synchronizing, and updating server state in your React applications a breeze. So basically it's taking all of those things that you, you'd need to do uh, in your data store. So you fetch data and you store it in Redux, and then you cache that data in async storage via Redux. And then by updating your store in Redux, you're synchronizing it throughout your app. All of this stuff. React Query basically bundles all of that up. So using a use effect and a fetch within your component to fetch data, then update your stores. React Query is kind of bundling all of that into one. So it gives you a means to manage state that is dictated by a server or some external source. Basically just handle all of that state, all of that data through one package. So it's, it's a really interesting option that I've never really thought of that kind of takes the, the fetching of the data and then the managing of the data or the state and bundles those two together so that it's just one simple call. And I guess I've done that to some extent using Redux, kind of the way I was talking about Redux Thunk. React Query seems very similar to that in that it allows you to fetch, store, and manage that data all within one versus having to kind of plug in those different tools to make it work. I love that. Yeah. Um, this now, now, do you, what if you want it to do it every five minutes or something. I mean, are you throwing that in a loop or is that part of it? I'm looking at the docs and I don't see the answer jumping out at me. Right. Yeah. I don't recall seeing that type of thing, but you know, my initial gut reaction would be, so you would manage that kind of that periodic fetching of data or checking of data. And then basically as you get that, it will go then go ahead and say, okay, we've got this new data, go ahead, update our cache with it and go ahead and manage all of that that side of things yeah that probably that makes sense um i didn't know if like the synchronization was you know if that was built in 
with you know pouch db you can set up a sync and then a time and it will go you know poll and then synchronize your local data with your server data either both ways or one way whichever you want to do you can either push it to the server or pull it down and so in my conference app i would just always pull it down mm-hmm. if there was any if there's any changes you know somebody logs into the website the web admin and updates a session then it would get pulled down to all the apps and that's how i did that but i i kind of like this i'm looking yeah. at the docs and and everything and it looks really nice yeah it's interesting i actually just found uh, a page on in the documentation answering the question does react query replace redux mobx or other global state managers and react query specifies it's a server state library which means it's responsible for managing asynchronous operate operations between the server and client and the way i've always used apollo apollo does a similar thing whereas redux mobx and zustand which i think we'll talk about in a moment are client-side libraries uh, that can be used to store asynchronous data albeit and this is their claim inefficiently when compared to a tool like react <laughs> query mine's always the best <laughs> Mark, marketing 101 <laughs> yeah exactly so it it serves a different role but what i found i'm actually storing in redux or global store most of the time is server state data so using kind of a dedicated tool for that takes out like one level of thinking or things that i have to consider when managing my own state or my my server state yep yeah anything to make it easier and interestingly yeah. enough i was looking and there is an apollo mob x plugin if you want to use the mob x state stuff on mm. top of apollo okay. so that's that's kind of cool too if you have graph database that you're hooking up to so i threw this one in i was watching this guy and he was he was you know, talking about, um, I think he was talking about Redux or whatever, and just casually mentioned this one, Zustand, Z-U-S-T-A-N-D. And it was weird enough. I was like, what is this about? You know, <laughs> how crazy could this be? And I'm going to do what Spencer did. I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to tell you my experience of code diving their Git repository. So they have, it's a small and fast and scalable bare-bones state management solution has a comfy API based on hooks, isn't boilerplate or opinionated, but still just enough to be explicit and flux-like. Don't disregard it because it's cute. It has quite the clause. <laughs> Lots of time was spent in dealing with common pitfalls like the dreaded zombie child problem, React concurrency, and context loss between mixed renderers. Well, that we all always have. Here is Marketing 101. It may be the one state manager in the React space that gets all of this right. (laughs) That's a bold, bold claim, right? And I mean, y'all know I am not a professional in this. However, I know what I know, and I know all the research that I just did for this episode. So I figured that I could, you know, look at the code here, look at some of the code examples and sort of come up with an opinion of myself that might be somewhat educated. It looks very context. It, it almost, it fits. I feel like it's context plus and maybe Redux light. So it's, it falls in between there. And I mean, that's kind of where I feel like mob X is, you know, it's, it's a little more than context and, you know, not a le- as much Redux, but, um, the syntax, it's right. It's not boilerplate You literally set up a couple hooks, and, I mean, it is. it looked really cool. It looked really, really neat. 
And I mean, I I couldn't tell you what a zombie child problem is. <laughs> I'm guessing that's like child components, and um, you just lose lose track of them. Is that what that is? Do you know? Have you ever heard that term? I've I never heard a, of that term. It's before. a link. I could click it right now in the show notes and see. Um, stale props and zombie children is the header of that. So I'll just throw that in the show notes if you want to read about that. That sounds like a horrible, like a techno thriller or something. <laughs> stale props and zombie children. <laughs> so anyway i mean this is definitely one to look for because this might even be an easier barrier to entry if you've never done anything state wise or mm -hmm. even above and beyond component state you know you might want to just skip over context and jump into zoo stand probably not a whole lot of people are using it you could be the one kid on the block that has something really cool because it's got kind of a neat name yeah it's got a good logo too <laughs> oh, it's a little bear playing a guitar, <laughs> sitting on a stump playing a guitar. <laughs> a, he's in like he's in jeans with a patch, and um, I'm guessing that's an orange checkered flannel shirt. That's adorable. Yeah, I I don't know why his tongue is hanging out, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. I skimmed right by that last night when I was when I was looking at this. That's really good. Um, you know, it has. 5.7 thousand stars, 144 forks. So it's not super widely popular, but it looks pretty nice. It looks pretty straightforward. If I think I could implement it, then you can too. Let's yeah. face it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, like the, the documentation brings up a great point. Um, React is really, really, really good at what it does. And using component state context, it's going to work for you 90% of the time. But there are going to be the occasional state management problems, like the zombie child problem. Zombie child problem. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what those are. Have I faced them? Oh, Maybe. honey, you look cute. Trick or treat <laughs> to you, too. What are you? I'm a zombie child <laughs> with a stale hook. <laughs> I got this hook for a hand. <laughs> I'm Captain Stale Hook. Uh-oh, here we go with the impression, the pirate impression again. <laughs> and I'm only drinking water. You're drinking the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. No. If you ever run into uh, Captain Hook over there, using a library like ZooStand, Redux, MobX, uh, uh, Recoil, all of these, they're solving a specific problem um, that you may run into. I don't know. There's there's benefits. There's, there's cons of all of these. Um, I'm always very hesitant to bring on any third-party third libraries just because, like, you have to update those then. It's a pain to manage them. As, as I've said with Spectrum, and this is just, you know, my application, which isn't very dynamic that I'm, I'm presently working on. Component state works for those dynamic pieces. Context works for those pieces of data where I have a client ID that I need to access in dozens of places, but it doesn't really change. So I don't need to really worry about it once that data has been downloaded or uh, rehydrated from my cache. If you have a more dynamic application, though, that's the point where I'd say start looking at these other options, Redux, MobX, ZooStand, all these different things to figure out, okay, how do I start managing this global state? To counteract that, I would encourage you, and this is something we saw with Redux a lot when it was pretty new, maybe it's still an issue, not everything has to be global state. Some things it makes more sense to use just state and you know it's okay to use a combination of component state, context, 
Zeus stand. Yes, good point, good point. It's okay to have all of these to serve different roles because different things are good at different jobs. So don't feel like because you're choosing one of these, you're locked into that singular state solution. Is it easier and more cohesive to have a singular state solution? Absolutely. But don't feel like because you choose one, you can't choose another. They all serve different roles, different purposes, and you can use them together with each other. Amen, brother. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, state management. It's very important. There's a lot of options. I don't know that we helped. (laughs) I don't I don't know. Um, Hopefully we brought a laugh. That's all I'm going for. Exactly. Yeah. Is the entertainment factor. (laughs) Start with component states. Start with context. And like John described at the beginning, you're going to start feeling pain with how you're managing state. And I've always found that to be the point where I'm like, okay, now I should start looking at one of these dedicated state management libraries. And once I've kind of following that, that process, it's worked really well and has made building React and React Native applications uh, much easier for me on the state management side. You know, it would be a really good course to do. What's that? Is to start with an app that uses component state and then go to context and you know what I mean? And just grow it and see what you need to refactor, Mm. you know, and see how much of a pain in the ass it is. If you're pretty far down the road with component state or context and realize, Oh, I need to change this. Like what is actually involved? Can you use the, the seeds and the skeleton of context because mob X sits on top of context does that make it easier or do you just hook up MobX for whatever you're building that's new and then slowly migrate over your other stuff because they can live side by side and, and whatever. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see, I guess it's yeah. all case by case basis. Right. What's, yeah. what's so if anyone out there has an application where they're like, ah, component state's killing me. Uh, let me know. Maybe we can figure out something. I know if you'll let me publish the, the migration, maybe I can help you figure that out. Because the, the hard part of that is actually like getting an app big enough that needs right. that migration. Yes. That's not just very... Um... Yeah, the tap the count button isn't going to cut it. Exactly, right. <laughs> yeah, you can't just throw out a, a quick example app that... Uh, it's too theoretical. Like, what's it actually look like when you're in the weeds, down and dirty, and ripping your hair out, trying to figure out what the hell you're doing in your app right. while not breaking anything? So... If you have zombie children knocking at your door <laughs> or react concurrency or context loss, um, you know, tweet us at RN nerds, shoot us an email, the nerds at reactnativenerds.com, or find this episode at reactnativenerds.com and leave us a comment. Yeah. Because I want to know if you got zombie kids. <laughs> <laughs> zombie kids carrying over from Halloween. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So that's all I got, man. That's all I've got as well. Um, Happy New Year to everyone. Hope you had a good holiday season, and we will see you in 2021. That's right. Hope to God we all make it there. Yeah, really. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you guys later. All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can get show notes and leave comments at reactnativenerds.com.